Today we're talking about something that nobody in this room struggles with. We're going to be talking about something that nobody has ever tripped over. We're going to be talking about something today that none of you have ever gone to counseling for. We're going to be talking about something that you've never gone to a therapist and said, I have a problem with this. We're going to be talking about a confession that you've never made. And so for sure I'm going to be talking to somebody who's not here. We're going to be talking about greed. The thing about greed is you don't see greed in the mirror. Nobody. And I'm telling you, I've been doing this for a minute. Like 18 years pastoring. Nobody has ever come into my office, not one time, has ever come into my office and said, Pastor, I'm struggling. Really, what are you struggling about? It's, it's too embarrassing to say. Really, what are you struggling with? I'm just a greedy person. That's never happened. Not one time. And yet, and yet, and yet, I will submit to you that the person sitting in your seats struggles with this. I know I do. It was so interesting to me when I first came to Christ, how easy it was for me to just go tell Jesus, Jesus, have everything. Take everything. Because when you have nothing... It's okay and easy to give Jesus everything because you have nothing. Now, that's not the case. I'm a little bit older, got some gray in the beard. I've accumulated some stuff. I'm like, Jesus, you can have most of this stuff. You can. I just got a really nice van. So if you want my bike, you can have that, but not the van. I got a house that within the last five years, thank you gentrifiers, within the last five years, it doubled in price. I'm the richest pastor you know. Why is that so hard? I wonder if I'm the only one who struggles, that the more you get, the more you want. The more you get, the more you want to keep what you got. I used to think that I was immune to this. I was like, okay, like, you know, some of my temptations, whatever they are, they won't be this issue of finances. They won't be this issue of greed. And yet, yet there's, there's, there it is. But greed is not just, I'm not just going to be talking to those here who are struggling with money, even though this was the, the, the easiest picture for us to be able to describe what greed looked like because it's, you know, it's attached to the fine. And, and here's the thing. I'm not just talking to the wealthy in our congregation or those who, uh, you know, nobody ever thinks that they're wealthy. Wealthy is always one step further than where you are, right? Like if you make $50,000 a year, you know who's rich? Those who make $100,000 a year. And if you make $100,000 a year, you know who's rich? Those who make $200,000. It's always one step better than wherever you're at. Well, I'm not just talking to you. Do you know that those of us who have almost nothing could live our lives dictated by greed? God knows that you and I are going to deal with this. We're going to struggle with this. What is greed? Greed is the desire for more. 
That's it. Greed is the desire, the over-desire for more. Thinking that if you just had more, if I had just more money, just more lovers, just more stuff, just more, then I'll be happy. And it's not. It will devastate your life. Because there's never enough. I don't know. Who here had a really good meal last night? Who here? Right? Okay, cool. Some of us had, right? Okay, great. Do you think you're going to want or need a good meal today if you haven't? That's a natural thing. Who here also, even though you had a good meal last night and you know you'll need a good meal this night, who here struggles with their weight? Come on, I know a few of you do. Yeah. We struggle. And you could be skinny and struggle with your weight, and you could be overweight and struggle with your weight. It's just something you struggle with. You know what that is? It's just a longing for more, an over-desire for more. This, this takes place with our food, but we talked about gluttony. This takes place with our uh, relationships, it takes place with our finances, it takes place with our stuff. So God knows that we struggle with this. So what we're going to do is we're going to look at a, at a verse and hopefully within the, with, not a verse, a text, within the text we're going to see not only a person who's like us, but a person who will, in Christ, not find what they were looking for. And hopefully we'll be able to learn from him. We're going to go to the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 19, verses 16 through 26. Jesus' ministry is running full-fledged, and, and a guy comes up to Jesus, and he has two types of wealth, two kinds of wealth. The wealth that he has is moral and financial. He has two types of wealth. I want you to see this. Because some of us will go to Jesus with a sort of a moral type of wealth or a financial type of health, but I want us to be able to see the whole thing. Now, um, it's interesting because you don't have to, for some of the, what we're going to learn about greed, you don't have to go to the Bible. The fact is, is you can go outside of the Bible and find that greed is a bad thing. Um, Mahatma Gandhi said this, who was not a Christian, obviously, um, Earth provides enough to satisfy every man's needs, but not every man's greed. I love what Socrates said. Socrates said, he who is not contented with what he has would not be contented with what he would like to have. The reason that I bring these up is because this is universal. And in a society and in a culture where wanting more is promoted, is desired, it's, it's supposed to be what you want. Every commercial that you see is plucking away at that thing inside of you that you are not satisfied with what you got. Every commercial, every billboard, every, it's all plucking at that area in your life that says more. More, mas, mas. I just want to have more. So in Matthew chapter 19, Jesus is in full-fledged uh, ministry, and he gets a question from a guy. 
It's interesting because while we're not going to read the uh, passage in Mark, Mark says that Jesus looked at him and he loved him. Isn't that beautiful? He loved him. And so let's go ahead and let's look at um, what Jesus would have to say. Would you stand at the reading? The reason that we stand is not because we're more holy if we stand or less holy if we don't. Or it doesn't give us any more props if we do or don't. The reason that we stand is because we reverence God's word. We're saying at this point, whatever God's going to speak to us is going to have um, authority in our lives. And so we stand for that reason. Another day, a man stopped Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Great question. Jesus said, why do, you have, why do you question me about what's good? God is the one who is good. If you want to enter the life of God, just do what he tells you. The man asked, what in particular? Jesus said, don't murder, don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't lie, honor your father and mother, love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said, I've done all that. What's left? If you want to give, if you want to give it all you got, Jesus replied, go sell your possessions, give everything to the poor, all your wealth will then be in heaven, then come follow me. I'm reading from the message, you're looking at the NIV, that's why there's a difference there. That was my fault, that's definitely not anybody else's fault, that's my fault, but let's keep on reading. When the young man heard this, he went to, uh, go back to verse 20. Jesus answered, all these I have kept. Go back to 20. All these I have kept, the young man said. What do I still lack? 21. Jesus answered, if you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions and give to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. We're going to stop right there. Have a seat. Sorry for the uh, mix-up. Put up verse 16. We see here, verse 16, please. We see here when the young man comes to him that it, the stage is set for who he is and what he has. Just then a man came up to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? This is a guy who we'll find is morally upright and is financially well off. Now in the Jewish mind, they thought that if you had wealth, that you were blessed by God. That clearly you are moral and upright because the reward for your good morality is your wealth. Now, now it's important to see that he comes with both things that Jesus doesn't argue with. Jesus doesn't argue with his moral uh, standing and he doesn't argue with his financial standing. I'm just going gonna, gonna to work off, I'm gonna work off of the message because that's what I have here. So I'm going to... Um, Jesus said, why do, you, why do you question me 
about what's good. Jesus asks a really good question because the guy comes up to him and says, hey, good teacher. He says, why are you calling me good? This is an old Hebrew way of bringing the truth out of people. The Hebrew teachers wouldn't just go, hey, are you trying to say something? Are you? They would ask questions. And in asking these questions, the truth would come out of you in answering their questions. And so Jesus goes, hey, only God is good. Are you saying something here about me? Jesus is trying to bring out his, if this man sees Jesus as who he really is, God in the flesh. If you want to enter life, the life of God, just do what he tells you. Jesus is going to go on through uh, the commandments. He's going to go through the second half of the Decalogue or the Ten Commandments. He said, the guy goes, which one's in particular? And Jesus says, don't murder, don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't lie, honor your father and mother, and love your neighbor. And then Jesus goes into Leviticus and says, love your neighbor as yourself. The young man says, I've done all that. What's left? Pause for a second. That's the thing about moral greed, and that's the thing also that's true about financial greed. If you're trying to be good enough to get with God, in other words, the way you, you know how you get to heaven? It's just by being good. Just be a good person. Now, I've done enough funerals to know that the only qualification that you need to get into heaven is to die. That's the only qualification that you need to get into heaven. Because every funeral that I go to, doesn't matter how the person lived, doesn't matter how the person responded, doesn't matter how the person acted, it's like they're in a better place. I don't know. Maybe not. I know that's a controversial thing to say, and I don't want to be a, I don't want to be a jerk about it. This is a super sensitive subject. What I am trying to do is to make a point that if you think your good deeds will get you into heaven, you'll always live an insecure life. Because there will always be one more good deed that you have to commit. Anybody remember Schindler's List? Schindler's List was a really powerful movie. And at the end, if you, for those of you... For those of you, uh, even you young people would know this, right? If you, right you, you've heard of Schindler's List. It's a pretty iconic movie. And in Schindler's List, he's this uh, businessman in Germany. He's making money. He finally, his eyes are open to the atrocities, uh, uh, of the atrocities that are taking place against the Jews. And what he does is he creates a war factory, but with bullets that don't work and with rockets that don't work and all that other stuff. And what he does is he accumulates these finances and he uses those finances to purchase Jews. Does that make sense? He purchases them so that he could, they could work in his factory. In essence, he's purchasing their lives. He's saving them. He's trying to save them. And in the end, at the, at the, does anybody remember the end of Schindler's List? It's a very emotional, powerful part. He goes, this, this ring, this ring could have bought me one person. He's like devastated. Like this is not like just him pretending. He's devastated. He goes, this, this watch, this watch could have bought me two, two more Jews. This car, if I would have just sold this car, I could have easily gotten four. You, you see what he's saying? He's saying it's never enough. And while, listen to me, he's right. He's right. You'll, you'll never be good enough. 
you always have to try a little bit harder. Whatever good you have, you could have always done better. Did you give that guy a sandwich, that homeless guy a sandwich? Why didn't you give him a whole meal? Did you give him a whole meal? Why didn't you give him a place to stay? Did you give him a place to stay? Why didn't you let him stay longer? You see, no matter what we do, unless our consciences are easily satisfied, it'll always leave us with a very insecure feeling of being good. Here's a guy who Jesus goes, just do the commandments. He's like, Psh, did that already. What else you got? If that's your case, then understand that your morality will never get you into heaven. Your morality will never get you into a relationship with Jesus. Being good for goodness sake is good for Christmas Santa Claus. But it's not good for living life. I know that for some of us, that is absolutely shocking. That for some of us, no, 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 I'm a good person. I'm telling you, you're only a good person because you're comparing yourself to bad people like me. That's the only way you're a good person. Like, when, you, when people say, I'm a good person, you never hear them say, you know, they'll say something like this, I'm a good person, I pay my taxes, I don't kill anybody, I don't assault, that's generally what they say. But no one has ever said, I'm a good person, compare me to Mother Teresa and see how good I am. I've never heard anybody say that. You know why? Because you're not good in comparison to Mother Teresa, isn't that true? We're only a good person when we compare ourselves to people who are less, than, less good than us, or we believe are less good than us. Jesus is going, oh, you have great wealth, you have great morality. All right, I, I started with the last half of the Ten Commandments. Let me give you the first one. Let me give you the first one. And he practically applies this commandment to this guy's life. The first commandment is have no other gods before me, which, by the way, is what greed is. It's longing for something to save you that's not Jesus. It's looking to something else as your salvation. Greed will always promise salvation and never deliver. Jesus then says, verse 21, if you want to give, give it all you've got, Jesus replied, Go sell your possessions. Give everything to the poor. All your wealth will then be in heaven. Then come follow me. You see what Jesus is doing? If you want to give it all you've got, Jesus replied, go sell your possessions. So, okay. If God, let's go to the first commandment. Love the Lord your God. Have no other idols before me. Don't put anything that's more important than me, God says. Now, What's very interesting about this particular thing is that this is not a rule all the way across the board. Like, this is not something that Jesus says to all Christians. Now, how could we say that? We could say that because Jesus met an, another wealthy man. His, he was a tax collector. His name was Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus gave half, 50% of what he owned, and Jesus celebrated him for it. So it's not about percentages. Somebody else, he came, came to him, and Jesus didn't speak to him about money at all. He talked to him about being born 
again. You see, the fact is, is that Jesus is hitting at the heart. Now, by the way, as soon as I say that, if you're relieved and you're like, whew, I'm glad that Jesus doesn't want everything that I got, then you're the kind of person that needs to give away everything you have. And the point is, is where your treasure is. What's your treasure? Because if anything is your treasure other than Jesus, you will find that it will rust and take and destroy. Jesus tells this particular guy, because he's going to the heart of the matter. He's going right to his greed. And he's saying, give it all away, sell it, give to the poor, follow me. And one of the saddest texts in the New Testament is follows it. It says, that was the last thing the young man expected to hear. <sighs> yeah, I think so. And so crestfallen or saddened, he walked away. Pause. He walked away because the treasure that was in front of him was not the treasure that he was looking for. He had the treasure he was looking for. It was in his bank account. Pause. Ever walk away from Jesus because he wasn't your treasure? Because something else was your treasure? I can't tell you. I cannot. T- I remember this one guy growing up. He was the only Christian I knew. Not, that's not true. I knew two Christians. They were both friends. And um, they were in, they, we played music. I used to play the guitar. He was, a, he was a bass player. And I remember him. And I remember meeting him. And he was, I'm talking about on fire, like 15 years old. 15, you know how hard it is for a 15-year-old to declare Jesus as Lord and Savior? And to declare, declare it to his friends like crazy. 16 years old, 17 years old, declaring Jesus to his friends. When nobody, the only reason we tolerated him was because he was such a great bass player. <clears throat> but other than that, he was just like unreal. Great guy. You know what happened though? He got this girl. And this girl, super cute. So adorable. And eventually she wanted nothing to do with him. And he came back, and I remember finding him years later, and him saying, I'm like, hey, what's up, so-and-so? And he said, and I was like, hey, you know, you're with this Jesus thing anymore? Because, like, I had just been with this Jesus thing, right? And I was like, hey, you're down with Jesus anymore? He was like, no. It's like, why? It's like, here, here's what it was. I went to Jesus with my treasure, and Jesus took away my treasure. Jesus wasn't my treasure. I went to Jesus with my treasure, and Jesus didn't let me keep my treasure. Basically what he said was, you know, if, if God was God, then he would have given him the thing that he was worshiping, which was this girl. Because he didn't worship Jesus. I pray for him regularly. I see him on occasion. 
And I pray that he would find his treasure in Christ. But I know he's not the only one. Some of you are just coming back. Listen to me. Some of you, you know the reason that you relapse? For those of you who struggle with addiction, do you know the reason why you relapse? It's because something other than Jesus is your treasure. Do you know the reason why you go back to that sexual, uh, that sexual sin that you go back to? Do you know why? Anybody know? Because Jesus isn't your treasure. Do you know why? Do you know why when they give you the option for overtime or celebrating Jesus with your family of believers, do you know why you choose overtime? Anybody know? Because Jesus isn't your treasure. Let's keep on going. Do you know why? You see where we're going, right? In the beginning, we think, oh, no, 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 this has nothing to do with us. But the fact is, is that it has to do with all of us. And so in your mind, you should be very offended and you should be questioning me and you should be fighting with me in your head. Yeah, but, yeah, but, I get it, I get it. Listen to me. You're just, you're just greedy. You're just longing for something that's not Jesus to satisfy you. I'm not greedy. I'm just being practical. I'm not greedy. I'm just reasonable. Are you trying to say that I can't have things that I like? Are you trying to say that I can't have a, a, a relationship? Or the, no, 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 no. I'm trying to say that if you want them more than you want Jesus, then you've gone in the wrong direction. So now that we recognize that all of us struggle with this, how do we overcome how do we overcome this issue of greed? It's actually in the text. One, I want you to see this. How to become free from the grip of greed. There's just two things that you need to remember. Number one, and we've already been talking about it. Number one, see Jesus as your treasure. See Jesus as your treasure. When you see Jesus as your treasure, everything else pales in comparison. That's the whole point of Jesus' uh, parable about the, the, the man who went in a field and then he found uh, a great, uh, the pearl of great, like, right, he found this incredible treasure. And then you know what that guy does? He goes home. He gets everything that he owns, the car, the house, the furniture, the guitars, the whatever. He gets it all, the clothes. He sells it all. Goes to the person to purchase the field. The reason that he goes to purchase the field is because and then he'll own what's in the field. That's the treasure. And he goes, he tries to buy it. Guy goes, no, 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 not enough, not enough. He goes, he sells himself out. He sells his, everything has to go. It's a fire sale in his life because he has to have enough to get this treasure. I gotta get this treasure. This treasure is too important. I gotta have it. And so he sells all that he has and he doesn't consider it lost because he recognizes the treasure that he has. And he buys it and he's glad. But that's not the way. And, and the treasure in that parable, what that treasure is pointing to is who? Anybody know? Jesus. Jesus. By the way, if you're new here, um, the rule is if I ask you a question, the safe answer is always Jesus. Right, okay. Okay, that's the rule, all right? So, 
That's why. That's why, beloved. Some of us, that's not why some of us, that's why all of us run away from God. It's because we go, Jesus, he's such a trick. Somebody give me your wallet. Give me your wallet. I want somebody's wallet. Thanks. Oh, yeah, no, this is the one I want. Thank you very much, Chanel. What's going on with you? Is that your name? <laughs> I might keep this one. This is real nice. What? Rocking my mirth. What? Okay. 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 When we come to Jesus, when we come to Jesus, Jesus, this doesn't matter. What's in here doesn't matter. The fact that this is valuable doesn't matter. It's useless to me because all I can see is you're my treasure. It doesn't matter. It's worthless. But here's what we do. And I don't know. What's your Chanel? <laughs> is it your marriage? Is it your relationship? Maybe it's your kids. Kids are good, but they're not God. Your, your career is good, but it's not God. What's yours? And Jesus goes, Jesus goes, Ed, I want that. Or he says your name, and he goes, I want your Chanel. And he goes, wait up, Jesus. You know how much this thing costs? I mean, even if you get this on sale. Have you ever been to Fifth Avenue and they have like a really big sale? It ain't a sale to me. Like if this was on 90% sale, I still wouldn't be a sale to me. Now why, why, why? You go, wait, Jesus, Jesus. No, no, come on, come on. All right. What do I got? I got this belt. I got this belt. Would you like this belt? Jesus, would you like this belt? Surely you'll be satisfied with this belt. Surely. What about these shoes? These shoes are nice. I'll give you these shoes. I'll give you these shoes. This you know what? All right. I can't give you this, but this jacket. Oh, take the jacket. Anything but my thing. Anything but the thing that I'm holding on to. And it could be, listen to me, could be your reputation. Could be anything. Could be the degree of power that you have. Could be the finances that you have. Could be anything. And Jesus goes, no, 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 papi, I'm not asking. I want the Chanel. No. We will literally curse God and flee from him if he takes away our Chanel. We'll literally say, you know what? You'll come to my office and you go, and, and, and doesn't God want me to be happy? And isn't, why would God take away my Chanel? Because you cared about your Chanel too much. And he knew that if you were going to survive the next difficulty in life, you would have to make him your treasure. No, I think I'll keep it. Thanks, Jesus. But you know what, Jesus? If you could stay around for a little bit, if you could help me out here and there, wouldn't mind it. It's very precious, isn't it? 
So the first way, thank you, Vicky. I appreciate that. The first thing is we have to see Jesus as our treasure. We have to see, if we're going to break the grip of greed, then we have to start thinking, he's our Lord, he's our Savior. We just sung about it. He's everything to us. He's our delight and our joy. And you go, but I don't feel that. Great. Now you're finally on par with God. You finally agree with Jesus that your heart is always only after the things that are selfishly um, applied to your life. Great. Now that you see that, now you can come to him, not going as a good person, but going to him as a broken person, going, listen, the truth about me is that I love my Chanel more than I love you. I want my, my thing, my thing. I want that more than I want you. You are not this pearl of great price. You are not this priceless thing. Because let me tell you something. If Jesus is a priceless thing, then take my house. Who cares? I got Jesus. Then take my car. Who cares? I got Jesus. Take my account. Who cares? I got Jesus. Take my reputation. Who cares? I got Jesus. Take my life. Who cares? I got Jesus. You go, but I don't feel that way. Great, great, great. Let's just start seeing him. Let's start going, oh God, you are glorious. As I read your word, as I pray, Lord, would you make you more glorious, more precious than this relationship, more precious than this thing, more precious than this job opportunity, more precious. Are relationships, job opportunities, or relationship? Are, are any of those bad? Anybody answer that question. Just don't say Jesus. Is that, is that bad? No, of course not. Of course not. But if you want it more, if it gets taken away from you and all of a sudden you don't love Jesus anymore, you've gone the wrong direction. Okay, now the first thing, the first one is, let's, what, what's the first way we're going to become free from the grip of greed? Someone say it with me. See Jesus as your treasure. And this, this second one, this second one is going is to blow your mind. Okay. The second is know that you are his treasure. Wow. Know that you are his treasure. Amen. The first thing is that we got to see Jesus as a treasure. And then the second one is got to recognize. And you go, but I don't see it. I don't see it because you're not looking. You're not looking. How do you look? You go like this. Jesus, how is it that I am your treasure? Well, you can only, let me tell you. Value only has value insofar as something's only valuable insofar as whatever price has been bestowed on it, right? So basically, you, you know how much my house is worth? My house is worth whatever anybody's willing to pay for it. Does that make sense? Yeah. Right? The Chanel bag, it's, it's worth whatever anybody's willing to pay for it. That's the, that's the value that's been bestowed upon it. Okay, now... Somebody, <laughs> it's a very interactive service today. Somebody give me money, like a $20 bill or something like that. Or something. Okay. All right. All right. Now we got it. Nice. Woo! $20 bill. All right. Okay. Now watch this. Now watch this. Do you know, listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. Anybody know what this piece of paper is worth? Okay. Anybody know what this piece of paper is worth? Not a penny, right? Why is this, this is paper that's made in America, 
This is paper that's made in America. Why is this paper worth more than this paper? The reason that this paper is worth more is because those who created it have bestowed a value upon it, have bestowed a value upon it. That's why this is worth $20. If you take this exact same piece of paper and you have 100 written on it, how much is it then worth? Because that's the value that has been bestowed upon it. Now, I want you to see something, okay? Because we're talking about you being Christ's treasure. And some of you may be right here, right now, going, I'm not Christ's treasure. I don't feel like Christ's treasure. Listen, just follow the illustration. Let me ask you, if I crumble this up, how much is it worth? $20. Why? Because that's the value that's been bestowed upon it. If I throw this on the floor, how much is it worth? Why? Because it's the value that's been bestowed upon it. How much is it worth if I do that? Because that's the value that... What if, let me ask you something. What if I take 15 years and pour alcohol down on it for 15 years? How much is it worth? What if I shoot it up full of heroin? How much is it worth? What if I shoot it up full of barbiturants and all that other stuff? What, how, much is it, how much is it worth? Right, because no matter what you do to this, it's worth the value that's been bestowed upon it. Now pause. What is the value that has been bestowed upon you? Well, the one who created you. Beloved, listen to me. The one who created you have given, has given you a value. How much is it? Well, the one who created you went from heaven to earth and said, I have to have you. And that wasn't enough. And so he laid down his life, his very blood, shed every drop of blood, allowed his body to be pummeled into the ground. Why? Because that's the value. How much are you worth? You're worth every ounce of sweat, blood, and tears from the King Eternal who created you. That's how much you're worth. And when you see that you are his treasure and that he's bestowed a price upon you that is far more than anything that you can monetarily have, when you see that, it'll, it'll help you to see how much of a treasure he is to you. Beloved, how much of a treasure? You're his treasure. Why would you say that? Why would you turn? The only way to, grip, to defeat the grip of greed is to see Jesus as your treasure and to recognize that you are his treasure.